At this time, at the beginning of February, as we start Missions Month, we are also concluding a series of six messages on the topic of following Jesus. And before we go any further into this sixth message in this series, I'd like to circle back with you and just check in to see how you're making out, how things are going so far. For five weeks, we've been considering together what it means to follow Jesus. And I wonder if some of you might just be starting to feel a little bit overwhelmed. Perhaps, like me, uh, you felt pretty good when we started this series of messages Uh, when Pastor Pat shared with us for two weeks on the topic of being with Jesus. But since then, it's become significantly more intimidating. Um, While being with Jesus is delightful, acting like Jesus is daunting, and loving like him can be almost disheartening. This all may be starting to feel like mission impossible. This call to act like Jesus and love like Jesus could easily make you feel like you've been dropped onto the ice in a hockey arena with Wayne Gretzky and you're being asked to play hockey like him. Or you might feel like we've put you out on a tennis court with Bianca Andreescu, Canada's top female tennis player, and are calling you to play tennis like her. Or you might feel like we have ushered you out onto a basketball court with Fred Van Vliet of the Toronto Raptors and we're saying, play basketball like him. Or you could feel like we've pushed you out onto the soccer field with Christine Sinclair, the captain of the Canadian women's national soccer team, and we're saying, play soccer like her. Or if you just happen to be a football fan, And I know there's one or two of you who have been watching football these days. You might feel like we're asking you to step out onto the turf in Tampa with Tom Brady and are asking you to play football like him. Scenarios like that are enough to make even the most athletic among us choke. These star athletes are in a league all of their own. It's almost ludicrous for us to think that we can be like them. I mean, we would if we could, but we can't. If you choke when you hear me suggest that you play sports like Wayne Gretzky or Bianca Andreescu or Fred Van Vliet or Christine Sinclair or Tom Brady, what do you do when you hear me suggest that you love like Jesus? I wonder... If consciously or unconsciously you say to yourself, well, that's a lovely idea, and I would if I could, but I can't. Today, I call you to step out into the world with Jesus and follow him. Let's journey with Jesus, flipping through the first four books of the New Testament, watching him do what he does best, loving people in very practical ways, and we'll consider the call to follow him and love like him. We'll start in Matthew chapter 8, where we join Jesus walking down the road, where we meet a man who has leprosy. Jesus heals him. Further down the road, when we arrive at the home of Peter, we discover that his mother-in-law is sick in bed with a fever. Jesus is concerned for her and heals her as well. 
In Matthew 9, we observe a woman who has suffered with bleeding for 12 long years. She tentatively approaches Jesus for help and is completely healed. In Matthew 12, it's the Sabbath, and we enter the synagogue with Jesus where there is a man who has a shriveled hand. And we watch as Jesus tells him to stretch out his hand and the gnarled hand becomes new. In Matthew 14 and 15, we almost get lost in the crowds, uh, hungry crowds of people, and Jesus miraculously feeds them all. In Mark 5, we go with Jesus to the home of a 12-year-old girl who has died. And the people are wailing. We're astonished to see Jesus raise her to life. And she tell, he tells them to give her something to eat. In Mark 7, we see some people bring a man to Jesus who was deaf and could barely talk. We watch Jesus take him aside and put his fingers in the man's ears saying, be opened. And then the man could hear. Jesus touches the man's tongue and the man is able to speak clearly. In Luke 5, we are surprised to see a paralyzed man. He's lowered down by his friends through the roof of the, the house we're in, lowered down in front of Jesus. And before we know it, Jesus tells the man to get up, to pick up his mat and to go home, and he does. In Luke 22, when we find ourselves in the midst of the, the big kerfluffle when Jesus was being arrested, we see someone take out a sword and cut off the right ear of one of the high priest's servants. Jesus stopped the ruckus and he said no more. Then he touched the man's ear and healed it. In John 5, we go with Jesus by the pool of Bethesda. And there we meet an individual who's been invalid for 38 years. Jesus cures him and the man gets up and walks for the first time. In John 9, we come across a man who was born blind. He was brought to Jesus, and Jesus restored his sight. Then in John 11, we get the news that Jesus' friend Lazarus had died. Arriving at the home of his sisters, Mary and Martha, everyone was very sad. Jesus wept as well, and then raised Lazarus from the dead. Following Jesus and watching Jesus reveals so clearly that he is so very good at loving others and meeting practical needs. And now we hear the call extended to us, come follow Jesus, be with him, act like him, love like him. Having just completed that whirlwind walk with Jesus through the Gospels, seeing him love so many people in so many different practical ways, it's possible that our admiration for Jesus has just shot up while our optimism that we will be able to love others like him may have just dropped down. I wonder, is it possible as we come to the end of this sermon series that the invitation to follow Jesus and love like him will strike a pessimistic chord and produce a flat response. And we'll say, well, we would if we could, but we can't. To discover if there is any hope at all for us to love others like Jesus, let's revisit one occasion 
when Jesus and his disciples encountered an overwhelming need and responded together with love in a practical way. The Bible story is recorded in all four of the Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and the story takes us outdoors into the countryside, up onto the mountainside, uh, on the far side of the Sea of Galilee. Jesus and his disciples had traveled there by boat, planning to get some rest. However, when the people from the region learned where they were going, a large crowd of perhaps 15,000 to 20,000 people, they hurried there and arrived ahead of Jesus. We pick up the story in Mark chapter 6, verses 34 to 44. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's very late. Send the people away so that they can go into the surrounding countryside and villages to buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take eight months of a man's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? He asked. Go and see. When they find out, they said, five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. In taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks, and he broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was five thousand. What a story. Let's think about it. Put yourself in the shoes of the disciples as I now share three insights that I think will inspire you and help you to see that it is possible for you to follow Jesus and love others like him in practical ways. So that instead of you saying that you wish you could but you can't, you'll say, I can and I will. The first insight to inspire us in following Jesus from this story is noting how Jesus took the lead in love. Jesus is always one step ahead of us when it comes to loving others. In Mark 6, verse 34, we find that even though Jesus was, was bushed, he was so tired. When he saw the crowd that had gathered, he had compassion on them. Jesus demonstrated his love for the people by taking time with them, sharing with them truths to nourish their hearts and their minds, and then also sharing food with them to nourish their bodies. If we showed up in a situation like that by ourselves today, like Jesus' disciples, we might be tempted to simply dismiss the crowd, dismiss all the needs, essentially saying it's every man for himself, it's every woman for himself. Kids, you are on your own. If the disciples had been leading the response that day, that's basically what they had in mind. They were just going to tell all the people that it was late, it was time to leave, 
and say, everybody, you are on your own for supper. And that would have been the end of the story. But Jesus' disciples were not leading the response. Jesus was, and he led his disciples to satisfy the hunger pangs of thousands of people. Picking up on that insight inspires us. Jesus takes the lead in love. The second insight from this story that inspires us is that Jesus' disciples followed his lead. Basically, Jesus coached his disciples through a loving response to a very practical need. Jesus called them all into a huddle, and he explained the game plan. First, he had the disciples do an inventory of all of the food they had on hand. Then he had the disciples get the people divided into groups of 50 and 100 and had them get folks comfortable, getting them seated out on the grass. Then Jesus took a little bit of food and he prayed a prayer of thanksgiving for it before proceeding to break the bread and fish into pieces, filling baskets which he had his disciples carry out and serve to the people. And finally, when everyone was done eating and all were satisfied, Jesus had his disciples go around with baskets to pick up all the extra pieces, and there were 12 basketfuls of leftovers. Do you still have yourself in the shoes of Jesus' disciples? Perhaps you have felt overwhelmed at the thought of loving like Jesus because you can't heal the sick, you can't give sight to the blind, open the ears of the deaf, make the cripple walk, or multiply loaves of bread and little fish so that thousands of people can be fed. However, let me ask you this, and all of you can answer whether you're a child or a senior citizen. Could you make a list of things we have on hand? Could you make a small contribution? Could you help organize people? Could you help hand out food? Could you help clean up afterwards? Could you make yourself and some of the things that you have available to Jesus to love others in practical ways? I think you can. This is precisely what Jesus' disciples did, and it's what we as his disciples can still do. Jesus takes the lead in loving others, and his disciples, us, follow his lead. The third insight from this story that will inspire us is the dramatic positive result. God's divine power, coupled with the willing hands and feet of his followers, offering what they could to help others, resulted in meeting significant practical needs and demonstrated the love of God clearly to everyone. Even though I am sure that the disciples' arms and legs were tired when that day was done, it's encouraging to know that Jesus still did the really heavy lifting when it came to showing love in this practical way. Jesus did what the disciples couldn't do while they did what they could do under his guidance so that together they provided a meal for a multitude. It was a divine human response team working together in harmony and that winning combination meant that 15,000 to 20,000 hungry people were able to eat until they all were satisfied, something that, that just didn't seem possible when the need first presented itself. 
When it became apparent that the crowd needed supper and Jesus asked his inventory, uh, asked his disciples to do an inventory of the food that they had on hand, they discovered that they really didn't have much to work with. The account in John says that the only food they found was the lunch that a boy had brought. Five small barley loaves and two small fish. It wasn't much more than a McDonald's Happy Meal, certainly not enough to feed 5,000 hungry men, plus women and children. And isn't that how we frequently feel? We are surrounded by smorgasbord-sized needs and frequently feel like all we have to offer are a few small morsels. Sensing that the needs are big and our resources small can make us feel pessimistic and deter us from doing anything to help meet practical needs. Doing nothing in the face of a need basically communicates to those in need that it's each man for himself, it's each woman for herself, that everybody's on their own. If that is where we land because we don't have much to offer, is it possible that we are underestimating God's ability to multiply the impact of the little things that we do have to offer? Remember the five loaves and the two fish. A little can do a lot when it is in Jesus' hands. Who would have guessed that such a small offering could have had such a tremendous impact? The combination of divine power and human offerings of resources, time, and energy resulted in the miraculous feeding of thousands. Jesus' followers gave what they had, they helped where they could, and Jesus came through with the miracle. Seeing that dramatic positive result inspires us to love like Jesus, knowing that a little can do a lot when it is in Jesus' hands. I have to tell you that I have been inspired seeing how a little does a lot in Jesus' hands through our church's Dollar a Day for Missions Fund. This growing initiative was started in our church back in 2016 with an invitation for people to give $1 a day for missions in addition to their regular contributions to the ministry of our church. A dollar of a, a day doesn't sound like much. What can God do with a dollar a day to make much of a difference in this world? Well, each year more people keep signing up to be part of the initiative so that now we have 119 participants who with God's help are giving a dollar a day for missions. And in the last four years, more than $318,000 has been given to the Dollar a Day for Missions Fund. And God has used those resources through our church to meet a multitude of practical needs. Together with those funds, we've prepared 150 relief kits for Mennonite Central Committee. We've realized several mom care activities. We have sponsored seminary students in Zambia. We have provided school supplies and educational assistance for children in Nepal and Mexico. We have paid for supplies for serve weekends. Uh, we have invested money in partners in local ministry, helping Open Arms Mission, Niagara Christian Gleaners, the Haldeman Pregnancy and Family Care Center, the Youth Impact Center, Elisha House, South Niagara Life Ministries, Camp Kakwa, Ozzy's Garage, the ministry that all may see, Taitu Gardens Orphanage in Haiti, 
Rose City Kids, Teen Challenge, Mennonite Disaster Service. We have helped sponsor people connected to our church who work full-time in missions. And in 2020, we were able to give $10,000 uh, to individuals connected to our church who are serving God in that way, including uh, C.J. Thiessen and his family who work with Operation Mobilization. We have also partnered with the Nicaraguan BIC Church in helping provide safe places for churches to meet and mobilize in mission. And even as I'm recording this program and we're preparing for this weekend, the church in Nicaragua, the BIC Church, is beginning their annual meeting, meeting together in their national center, a facility which our church helped to construct back in 2017. In addition, dollar a day for missions, uh, the giving to that fund has meant that we can organize a free grocery giveaway to be held at the Wayne Fleet Arena on February the 20th. And I'm sharing this information with you. It's, it's insider information uh, so that you will be praying for this event as we plan to make the food available anonymously to the community. In this, we aim to follow Jesus' lead in responding with love to practical needs, doing our small part, trusting God to work miracles. We will need some help with volunteers to help our missions team make this happen. So if you're interested in lending a hand, please let me know. Also, please help us keep just a little lower profile uh, as a church for this activity, uh, similar to the giving of other anonymous donors of groceries in our region. In addition to food, everyone will receive a card with an encouraging scripture verse and a phone number they can call for spiritual support and prayer. You can help get the word out. Uh, when we publish the news with the date, time, and location for people to come for groceries, you can share that information with those around you who could use the help, and you can also share it through the social media posts, uh, which we will be publishing in the next week or two. God knows how many people this event will benefit. I can only imagine that in His hands and with your help, it could easily help to feed more than 5,000 people. We remember how a little can do a, a lot when it's in Jesus' hands. Just like five loaves and two fish didn't seem like much but made a huge difference, a dollar a day might not seem like much, but it's making a huge difference. If you'd like to be part of the Dollar a Day for Missions initiative, just email me or let our church office know and we'll get you signed up. And for those of you who sign up for the first time, we're glad to get you one of our Dollar a Day for Missions mugs, uh, which serves as a nice reminder of this effort that we're doing together. The story of Jesus' feeding of the 5,000, Jesus' feeding of the multitude, and the story of a dollar a day for missions are just two examples of what can result when we take the little that we have in terms of human resources and combine them in partnership with God's divine power to produce great results in loving others around us in practical ways. Let yourself be inspired by the insights that we've picked up on from the story of Jesus and his disciples' feeding of the multitude. Jesus takes the lead in loving others. His disciples follow his lead, and together we can be amazed by the positive, dramatic results. Following Jesus and loving like Jesus doesn't mean you need to be someone other than who you are. Jesus will use you with your energy, your gifts, skills and experience to meet needs. 
Jesus is using people who know how to cook and knit and sew who are loving and meeting practical needs and using those abilities. Loving others like Jesus can be helping to keep a meal train going or taking soup to a senior. Jesus is using people who know how to fix things and build things, people who can fix vehicles, who can drive cars and trucks, who can help others learn English, who can make telephone calls, who can write letters and color pictures, who can send emails, all to love others in practical ways. As Jesus leads, will you follow? Maybe you will follow him in volunteer ministry like so many of you already do, perhaps serving with other agencies around us that meet practical needs, driving for the Cancer Society or Meals on Wheels, volunteering at Niagara Christian Gleaners or at Open Arms Mission, the Youth Impact Center, or either of our thrift stores, Port Thrift or New to You in Welland. Maybe you'll be available to help at the Dunville Pregnancy Center or Elisha House. Maybe God will use you to show his love in practical ways uh, to your neighbor, to a member of your family, or to someone who comes across your path. It's just like the disciples being asked to do a food inventory, to organize the people, serve the food, and clean up afterwards. We all can do our small part and have the thrill of witnessing the miracles that Jesus does in the lives of others. This call to love others like Jesus in practical ways is doable. As overwhelmed as we might be at the initial thought of loving like Jesus, our response shouldn't be, we would if we could, but we can't. Instead, we can and we will. We can step out onto the turf, take the huddle with Jesus, let him lead us in loving others, and then celebrate the touchdowns, the wonderful results of Jesus' power working miraculously in and through what we have to offer, as little as it may seem. Finally, I want to give you something to think about as we conclude this sermon series on following Jesus and begin the month of February focusing on missions. Please think about this. The more we follow Jesus, the more we take time to be with him, to act like him, and to love like him, the more we will become like him. As a result, as time goes on, listen to our hearts and you'll hear his heartbeat. Listen to the way that we speak and you will hear Jesus speak. Observe the way that we love others in practical ways. And sometimes you'll have to blink twice and rub your eyes because although if we didn't know better, we might think we're looking at Jesus because we walk like him, talk like him, and love like him. And this is exactly what we aim for as Christians. It's what Jesus wants for his disciples, that we become more and more like him. And that happens as we follow Jesus as we take time to be with him, to act like him, and to love like him. Let's pray that God will help us and lead us as we seek to follow him faithfully. Let's pray. Our loving Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can turn to you. We look to you as our example. And even though in some respects we feel overwhelmed and intimidated, 
at the idea of acting like you and loving like you, we trust that you can help us using the small things that we can present to you, the things that we have, our time, our energy, our skills and abilities. We offer these things to you. We put them at your service, inviting you and your Holy Spirit and your power to work through us so that we will be able to love others as you have loved us. Lead the way, help us to follow, and we celebrate the wonderful things that you have done and the wonderful things that you will do as we cooperate together in doing your will and following your example. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.